Welcome to Farm Chica's next podcast focusing on Jerusalem artichokes, aka sunchokes. Welcome to Farm Chica, the podcast dedicated to providing a holistic model for promoting sustainable lifestyles and ways to engage in traditional methods of homesteading. Join me, Rene Delgado Riley, a native-born New Mexican, as I share how I respect Mother Nature through easy-to-apply tips that anyone can do. Through this podcast, I hope to inspire you to tap into your ancestral roots and live a more traditional, simple life that focuses on sustainability and respect to the earth. So join me as I share 20 to 30 minute tips that anyone can do. Jerusalem artichoke, sunchoke, those weed-like tubers could be a potential crop plant. Join me as I walk you through some awesome aspects of this better-known tuber, often misunderstood because of the confusing name that it's been given over the years. And I'll give you some tips on how to use it, how to grow it. It's a great survival plant, mainly because it's not just a vegetable. It's a starchy vegetable. It provides some carbohydrates, one of the main macronutrients you need in your body for survival. Carbs, proteins, and fats. Carbs being most important. For those of you who don't have your pantry stock full of flour and other carbohydrate-like materials for survival, this is a great food to add to your backyard, farm, or homestead. So Jerusalem artichokes are actually native to central regions of North America. The plant can actually grow successfully throughout the U.S. and under a variety of temperatures and rainfall regimes. However... This plant has been imported all over the world and can grow on different parts of the planet very well. Jerusalem artichoke is an oddly named food in America. Since its inception, it's been a comedy of errors, not just in this country in the United States, but also all over the world. But thanks to France for making it a culinary delight. It's very interesting. It has nothing deliberately to do with the capital of Israel and requires some explanation in its naming. The Jerusalem artichoke is not an artichoke at all. It's not at all similar. It's actually in the same family as a sunflower. So the sunflower is called girasol in Italian, which means anything gyrating or turning to the sun. Just like you see the sunflowers are always turning to the sun. The Jerusalem artichoke is in that same classification. And at least accordingly to some folk etymology, girasol through some slip of the tongue and maybe some translations in language, turned into Jerusalem. So Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who knows? And even more confusing, because it is native to America, it was actually indigenous to the United States and Canada and was actually first taken to France in the 1600s. And from this moment, it began to flourish. It's a great root vegetable to include in lots of culinary delights. In today's French kitchen, it is known as Tomenbore. Again, really confusing. At the same exact time that this tuber was being introduced to France, there was actually an exhibition from a tribe from Brazil known as the Tomenbores. And so this vegetable was then christened with the name, and it stayed. So today in France, it's called Tomenbore. And excuse my pronunciation, I am not French, and I know how important it is to pronunciate these things correctly. And even more confusing, one of the first dishes that the French made with this awesome tuber 
was converted into a known traditional puree called Palestine. (laughs) So the chef, having heard that the vegetable was imported from Jerusalem, just out of confusion, so now any puree made in a French kitchen made of tulpenamores or Jerusalem artichokes is called Palestine. There's even a recipe uh, for this puree in Escoffier's Le Guide Culinaire, which is actually the father of the modern culinary. It's actually on page 144, to be exact, and calls for 800 grams of tonenbores. So just out of curiosity, this is a very interesting recipe to try, very traditional, but it definitely is a very kind of play on the complexities of trade between our ancestors language differences, and how this Jerusalem artichoke came to be um, embedded into the French culinary world. In contemporary times, Jerusalem artichokes are also known as sunchokes because they are in the same family of the sunflower. Um, They were also historically shunned due to an old wives' tale that they were linked to leprosy because of the similarities of the tubers and the shape of the deformed fingers caused by the disease. Also during World War II, sunchokes rutabagas, or aka um, Jerusalem artichokes, were the most prevalent vegetables during the time. And as a result, some people associated them with difficult times. So whether you refer to it as a Jerusalem artichoke, sunroot, sunchoot, the tubers have a delicate flavor that's both sweet and nut-like, similar to jicama and water chestnuts. The reason this is, is the tuber contains about 2% Protein, no oil, and little starch, but it does have a carbohydrate inulin that's very high. And so this is actually considered a folk remedy for diabetes since inulin is not assimilated in the intestine. It doesn't cause that glycemic spike as potatoes would in somebody with diabetes. So eating Jerusalem artichokes is a really good alternative. And just to get a little bit more into the science, um, Jerusalem artichokes can grow in a variety of temperatures, but usually they produce less inulin in colder regions than in warmer regions. So very interesting science on this. So again, unlike most tubers, they store their carbohydrates in inulin, which is so much healthier for the human body and a good source of dietary fiber. Crop yields for these tubers are extremely high compared to other tubers. Um, They remain in the ground and lie dormant over winter and can handle temperatures as low as negative 30 degrees Celsius, which is negative 22 Fahrenheit. That's really extremely cold. So in today's world, actually the plant can be grown for human consumption, as I talked about, but also alcohol and fructose production, and also can be used as livestock feed. Actually, originally, when the European colonists came to the indigenous Americas and were taking this tuber back to France and other places, it was actually fed to many of their livestock. So for human consumption, the Jerusalem artichoke um, resembles a potato and it's used as a gourmet vegetable. Unlike other tubers, uh, these can be dehydrated and ground tubers can be stored for long periods of time without protein or sugar deterioration. These can be prepared like very similar to any potato. They can be eaten raw or made into flour or even pickled. They are available commercially. It's hard to find them. They may be named sunchokes or lamb chokes even, but it is um, much easier just to get some tubers of your own and go ahead and plant them. They grow really well and they are able to sustain a lot of different temperatures and grow in many different regions. 
Very interesting. In preparation for this podcast, I was reading about lots of different uses. And apparently in France, uh, besides being a gourmet vegetable used in traditional purees and lots of different culinary um, experiments and, and different uh, different culinary adventures, the artichoke, the Jerusalem artichoke has been used for wine and beer consumption for years. For example, ethanol and butanol, which are two fuel-grade alcohols, can be re- produced from Jerusalem artichokes. However, the cost of producing ethanol currently is not competitive with gasoline prices, and therefore the success of this ethanol plant has kind of been limited. And actually, it can be used as fructose production, so it has sugar in it. So about 50% of the 12 million tons of sugar consumed annually by Americans, think about that, that's a lot of sugar, (laughs) It's produced in the United States. And so fructose is more soluble in water than sucrose, which is traditional table sugar. So fructose provides a cheaper and more desirable syrup. We've all seen it, high fructose corn syrup, etc. So in addition to it uh, being more desirable, it's one and a half times more sweeter than traditional sucrose and actually can be tolerated by diabetics. So the majority of domesticated fructose comes from corn. And so although the Jerusalem artichoke is a viable fructose source, the U.S. sugar industry and as well as farmers have been hesitant and concerned with using it because it could be a potential weed problem because it does require extra planning and harvesting along with different storage difficulties. It's not something that's been explored and brought to fruition, but it is a possible alternative to corn. And it's just something to think about when we look at um, farming on a larger scale. Also, which makes this tuber really awesome is in a survival situation, what do you grow currently in your backyard farm or homestead to sustain your livestock? This is a great forage. It's about the same quality. It doesn't have an advantage over other forage crops, but it can be classified as a maintenance feed. It has both crude protein and digestible protein um, compared with alfalfa, so it's actually healthier on the gut. So for this perennial tuber, most cultivars require a growing season of less than 125 frost-free days. An optimal rainfall is less than 50 inches per year. So in Oregon, I'm not sure this will grow very well. I mean, you could definitely try. Uh, These are very, very hardy tubers, so they might grow in different areas. It just really depends because... I've been reading that they may not grow very well in heavy clay soils, but they grow really well in Corellis. Kudos to Jason Riley for pulling that off because I don't know how he's able to do that because they're, they don't, they apparently don't grow well in water logging and, and there on the farm, uh, we flood irrigate. And so flood irrigation will do a lot of that water logging. And so it's really important, uh, to do that, um, especially in a drought environment, but apparently the Jerusalem artichokes do really well. So I guess it really doesn't matter. So try it out. It doesn't hurt to try it out. Jerusalem artichokes also favor a slightly alkaline soil. What's really also awesome about these tubers is they're really vigorous and will compete strongly with other weeds. So they're a great tuber to plant because they will combat the emerging weeds around them. And once you get those tubers to overwinter, they do really, really well in subsequent years because it is a perennial. And as a result, volunteer Jerusalem artichokes can be a serious weed problem in the following prop crop it spreads into other crops and grow even taller than corn i mean it's just all over the place but what's really great about it is you can dig them up and eat them they're an edible weed diseases and insects are really not a problem for them they're pretty hardy and susceptible 
So when you harvest the Jerusalem artichokes, they can be harvested in the fall and left in the ground for winter storage or for spring harvest. So in some, Jerusalem artichokes have a white flesh that's nutty, sweet, and crunchy like chestnuts. Baked in their skin, they become more like a potato than anything else. So I encourage you, once you harvest those, you can refrigerate them unwashed in a bag for up to several weeks in the veggie crisper bin of your refrigerator. And I'll talk next about some fun ways to eat and cook them. So how do you cook sunchokes, Jerusalem artichokes, this awesome survival tuber? Well, it's a good source of potassium and iron. It's moderately high in calories, yet low in fat and cholesterol-free. And it contains that dietary fiber with antioxidants and a small portion of minerals and vitamins. So it's a great source of nutrition you can get out from your backyard, farm, or homestead. So usually you know that the tuber is ready when the green above the ground has wilted slightly. You can gently pull it from the soil or take a little shovel and go ahead and dig those up. There are many different ways to eat Jerusalem artichokes. There, You can basically cook them like a potato or like a parsnip. But it's excellent roasted, sautéed, dipped in batter, and fried or pureed into a delicious soup. Similar to potatoes, the artichoke flesh will discolor if exposed to air. So make sure once you place the once you peel the vegetable, um, place it in a butter a bowl of cold water with a squeeze of lemon or a dash of white vinegar, just until you're ready to cook. Also, depending on where you're growing them, they could be um, harvestable anywhere from November to March. So they're a great winter kind of thing that you can um, use in lots of different recipes. A great saute recipe for Jerusalem artichokes is to scrub and peel them. And then you slice each artichoke into a quarter inch thick slices in a wok or a frying pan. You want to heat some olive oil. In my case, I like to use avocado oil um, to a medium height heat, you add those sliced Jerusalem artichokes, a little bit of garlic, salt, pepper, parsley, whatever spices suit your palate for that day. Stir well to coat the artichokes and then stir fry them for about four to five minutes. Just stirring often, make sure you don't overcook those artichokes. They should be slightly crunchy. And there you go. That's an easy recipe for you. You can also eat them raw. So you can um, peel them and slice them and toss them with arugula, um, any kind of um salad cheeses in a large bowl and drizzle with some balsamic vinaigrette or your own homemade salad dressing and this would be considered a sunchoke salad. Similar to a cream of asparagus soup or a cream of artichoke soup, there's a cream of Jerusalem artichoke or cream of sunchoke. Um, you want to take two pounds of Jerusalem artichokes with 16 to 24 um, or so of those um, tubers. You want to take four tablespoons of butter, two cups uh, chopped green and white part of leeks, right? You want to make sure you wash your leeks really good. A little bit of nutmeg, a third cup flour, and eight cups chicken stock, um, and one cup milk, some watercress, and heavy cream. And so basically you're going to um, slice up um, and peel those artichokes, um, cut them into quarter-inch slices. Um, it should be about five cups. You want to heat the butter um, on a large kettle or a large pot. Um, you want to add the leeks and cook those, stirring for a couple of minutes. You want to add the nutmeg for fragrance. You add the flour to make a little bit of roux just to blend um, evenly. And then you add the artichoke stir. You want to add the chicken stock or broth and a little bit of the milk. Make sure you temper in your milk. You don't want to burn it. 
You want to rinse the watercress and chop it coarsely. There should be about four cups of that. Add the chopped watercress to the artichoke mixture. Bring that to a boil and let it simmer for about 15 minutes. Then you want to take that through a food processor. Return the soup to a a saucepan and return to simmer. You want to add that heavy cream, salt and pepper at the end. And you want to either serve it hot or cold. So there's a cream of Jerusalem artichoke soup. When I was little, I used to love cream of Xperia soup. Except now that I'm dairy-free... Um, I'm sure you can um, offset with some coconut milk and and make this gluten or dairy-free. I mean, use some cornstarch instead of the flour. I think there's lots of ways to adapt these recipes to make them gluten or dairy-free. In preparation for this podcast, I also came upon a recipe that's basically a Jerusalem artichoke and shrimp dish. And so essentially, you are making almost like a shrimp scampi but you're using Jerusalem artichokes and some other things along with some Dijon mustard in it. It sounded really good. I don't eat shrimp, but for those of you who like seafood, I'm sure that this would taste really good with scallops as well. And also similar to like scallop potatoes, you can do almost the same thing with Jerusalem artichokes, or you can make it au gratin if you eat cheese. Um, There's lots of ways to do this. Like I said, it's just a traditional tuber. It can be cooked and processed in a similar way as a potato. So there are lots of recipes out there to make them. They're a little on the sweeter side. So just realize when you're cooking them, they're going to taste a little bit sweeter. Um, I have done a kind of like just like a roasted version where I've peeled the tubers, washed them, and added a bunch of traditional stuff that I would to any roasted potato, um, such as salt, pepper, garlic, um, some dill, some parsley, and I've even added in some Dijon with some butter and put that in like a baking pan and roasted it in the oven. Um, I actually did that for Thanksgiving one year and it came out really good. And just so you know, um, flatulence is really common with these things um, if you eat them in excess. So don't do go too crazy with the Jerusalem artichokes. You will get gas. Um, just FYI warning on that. But overall, they're really healthy um, vegetable and tuber for you. Um, so again, the Jerusalem artichoke, sunchoke, potato, potato, whatever you want to call it. I really encourage you to look into this awesome vegetable and tuber and see what you can do and see if you're willing to take the plunge and plant it in your backyard backyard farm or homestead and, and let me know what you think. Thank you for listening to Farm Chica's podcast on the Jerusalem artichoke. I hope you learned a thing or two about this awesome tuber and I hope I inspired you to try out a new recipe or plant a new crop. I hope you have a wonderful time and thanks for your support.